Hey, everybody. It is Friday, May 26th. Happy early Memorial Day weekend. If you have to work today, I hope it's a summer Friday, a half day. If you're listening to us in your car ride, we'll have uh, some updates on that. When to be driving to your holiday location. This is a long way of saying welcome to the Mo News Podcast. I'm Moshe Wanunu. <laughs> and I am Jill Wagner. This is the place where we bring you just the facts. <laughs> and we read all the news and read between the lines so you don't have to, Jill. As you can tell, I'm already in holiday mode here. <laughs> I'm thinking, did he introduce me yet? Have I come on yet? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I guess I'm getting all my airtime. I'm taking the next week off. We're going on a baby moon of my wife and I. Uh, likely one of our last big vacations uh, before, uh, God willing, the little one is coming in September. So I'm in full vacay mode here, Jill. <laughs> um, enjoy it, Mosh. Well-deserved. And definitely take it while you can get it because vacations, once you have kids, take on a whole new meaning. I've witnessed it. And now <laughs> it's getting closer to reality where I'm I'm watching the people with the stroller, trying to check the stroller and they got the kid <laughs> And then the baby's crying and there's always someone who's just so impatient with baby crying on the plane and more and more, especially now that Alex has been pregnant, I'm listening to the baby crying and I'm like, oh, that's my reality. Like, and who can give someone crap for that? I I hate that, you know, there's people on the plane who are like, you need to shut that baby up. Like, but that's not even what I mean. I just, I, I'm not even necessarily referring to the travel component, which is in and of itself a whole, (laughs) that we could do a whole podcast on it. I more just mean that sometimes when you have kids and this may sound terrible but the week the 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 school week is actually easier sometimes than a long weekend or a vacation understood i've been coming to jill all week for the reality check on children <laughs> as i've been getting lovely notes from the rest of you listening being like mosh like welcome to parenthood it's the best experience of your life and jill's like yeah You'll see, Moshe. You'll see. (laughs) It is the best thing ever. I love it. I I really do. But I don't think people talk honestly about how hard it is. So, Moshe, let me be that person in your life. (laughs) Jill, as a journalist who likes to keep the facts straight, I'll have a much better sense of this in the fall, winter, and the coming years. But at the same time, I do want to just give my gratitude to all of you who have written in this week. Uh, the support from the Monos community has been incredible. We released the podcast yesterday of me interviewing my wife, Alex, about the pregnancy, uh, revealing the sex of the baby live. We learned it live in the podcast. So you can go check that out if you're a Monos premium member. Uh, and if not, go check. You can join at mode.news slash premium to listen to that. But your comments have been incredible. Your support has been incredible. Uh, and uh, Jill, I've been reading the latest reviews over on Apple Podcasts. And I just want to read this one from Kristen who wrote that I start every morning by listening to this podcast. It's fun and light, and they do a fantastic job of sharing the news in a fact-based, unbiased way. As a stay-at-home mother, this podcast truly helps me stay connected to what's happening in the world. Kristen, thank you for listening. We're so glad we're able to have that impact. And to all of you, if you haven't left us a review yet on the podcast app of choice you listen to us on, uh, please leave us a review. These do make a difference and and help us grow the podcast. Yes, thank you so much, Kristen. Stay at home, mom. Uh, Hardest job in the world. Uh, Thank you for listening. Much appreciated. All right, Moshe, I think it's time to get to some headlines. It is T-minus one week until the U.S. could run out of money to pay its bills where things stand when it comes to debt ceiling negotiations. 60,000 pounds of an explosive chemical disappeared from a train. What authorities think happened? And don't get too scared. They think there's an explanation for it that isn't totally going to freak you out. A Supreme Court decision that limits the EPA's power to address water pollution in millions of acres of wetlands. 
Overseas, a man arrested after crashing a car into Downing Street. Some major sentences handed down to two January 6th rioters, including one man who said he regretted not bringing his gun to the Capitol that day. What we can expect from this year's hurricane season. We'll tell you what Noah is predicting for this year. And it is Memorial Day weekend, the best and worst travel times. Plus, Moshe has on this day in history. Staying with the uh, transportation theme there for Memorial Day, uh, Jill, we'll give you a little history of the Volkswagen, which celebrates a birthday this weekend. From a Nazi vehicle to uh, counterculture, a fascinating history. And then uh, also a birthday this weekend for uh, What a Feeling from Fame. What a feeling. There you go. We're so on cue, Mosh. We're so on cue. We're so on point. (laughs) We'll actually play a bit of the song for you later in this pod. And cheers to the freaking weekend. What we are watching, reading, and eating this Memorial Day. Let's get to it. Okay, we are T-minus one week from when the U.S. could run out of money to pay its bills. And before we get to where things stand with the negotiations, a quick note about why this all matters. The Treasury Secretary has said June 1st is the date at which the U.S. could default for the first time in history. It would likely send the stock markets, both in the U.S. and overseas, into absolute turmoil. It would also mean that many Americans who get Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security, and other benefits might not get their checks on time. And in the last 24 hours, we got a new warning from the Fitch Credit Rating Agency about U.S. debt. Fitch Ratings, one of the big three ratings agencies that we talked about on Wednesday's podcast, saying that it had now placed the United States AAA status on, quote, rating watch negative, strongly suggesting that if Congress cannot reach a deal to either raise or suspend the debt limit before that June 1st deadline, Fitch would downgrade America's credit rating from AAA. In a statement, Fitch says the failure of the U.S. authorities to meaningfully tackle fiscal challenges that will lead to rising budget deficits and a growing debt burden signal downside risk to U.S. credit worthiness. It would be a negative signal of the willingness of the United States to honor its obligations in a timely fashion. The bottom line here, and we talked about this earlier in the week, the reason why a credit rating downgrade matters is think about your own credit rating. Uh, It means that you either have to pay higher interest rates or you have more difficult time uh, getting money out. And that's the key to why the AAA rating so matters for the United States. Okay, so where do things actually stand here? On the one side, President Biden. On the other side, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. They appear, at least as of this recording on Thursday evening, to be nearing some type of deal that would cut spending and raise the government's $31.4 trillion debt ceiling President Biden is insisting that default not on the table. Congressman Kevin Hearn of Oklahoma, he's a Republican who's helping to lead negotiations. He says he thinks it is likely that a deal could be reached by this afternoon. So there's some reporting from CBS that the White House is proposing extending the debt ceiling for at least two years. This would be a similar timeline to what we've seen in the past. In fact, the last increase of the debt ceiling was back in December 2021, which raised it to the current $31.4 trillion. It lasted as we're looking at the calendars now, about 18 months. Uh, Jill, Bloomberg News on Thursday uh, posted uh, a headline that U.S. Treasury cash balance has dropped just below $50 billion, meaning the U.S. Treasury, the U.S. government, has about $50 billion left in its account. Uh, Bloomberg noted that there's actually 24 individuals on the Bloomberg billionaires list that have more than that in their account right now than the U.S. government does. <laughs> People like Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos, etc. cetera. 
Um, and so just looking at how much cash on hand the government's had, just six months ago, they had about a trillion in their bank account. They're down to, again, just under 50 billion. This is about the amount the uh, Treasury was at the last time we had to raise the debt ceiling uh, back in December of 2021. Now, unlike that last debt ceiling increase and most of them that we've seen over the past couple decades, it's not a simple increase. Republicans are demanding more from the White House than just saying we'll raise the debt ceiling because we're worried about credit rating decrease and, and all these other things. So they're saying Biden has to find spending cuts. Biden has offered to freeze what's called discretionary spending or optional spending including for defense. But Republicans actually want to spend more for the military and cut more from everything else. So it's possible here that in order to reach a deal that prevents default ahead of next Thursday, that's the deadline, June 1st, Democrats will have to accept an agreement that allows military spending to go up, even as non-defense spending for things like education, housing, etc., either stay flat or fall. Whatever the deal, it remains likely that it's going to disappoint lawmakers in all parties, the progressives, the conservatives, Kevin McCarthy saying this week, I don't think everybody is going to be happy at the end of the day. Jill, that sort of is the essence, the definition of compromise here, that no side is going to be completely happy, but it is something rare in Washington because no side wants to compromise anymore. They want everything they wanted. And keep in mind, Kevin McCarthy's majority in the House is only a handful of seats. So he's got to get the Marjorie Taylor Greens and the Matt Gates of the world to agree to whatever he agrees to with Biden. And they have shown the ability to stick their finger in his eye uh, various times over the course of the past few months. I'm literally picturing them <laughs> sticking their finger oh. in his eye. Jill, if you watch some of what happened oh. in that floor fight over Kevin McCarthy <laughs> becoming speaker in January, him and Matt Gates came pretty close to maybe getting getting into something physical. They were pointing at each other. It, it got hyper aggressive. And that's something you could see next week, depending on what this compromise looks like and whether Kevin can get his side in order, and then whether uh, Biden can ensure that he can keep his side in order over in the Senate, where, again, Democrats have a very slim majority, and there have been people like Bernie Sanders, Liz Warren, other progressives who think that Biden is doing too much to compromise with Republicans and are really upset at him. According to the latest reporting, as we uh, talk right now, the two sides, according to some sources, are about $70 billion apart on a figure that would be well over $1 trillion. So, it looks like they're they're pretty close to each other, though $70 billion does sound like a big number. They are trying to keep the markets calm. You can imagine if there is no compromise by the time markets reopen on Tuesday, uh, that's where traders could start to really push some buttons here and make clear that a compromise needs to happen. Keep in mind, the last time we got this close in 2011, Republican House, President Obama, similar situation. We did see the U.S. credit rating go down, according to one of the agencies, S&P, uh, and they never raised it again. And they did that despite there being an agreement because we just came so close to the edge. So that's where we're at. Congress is going on vacation for Memorial Day for the entire week, uh, though they will be pulled back into session uh, should there be an agreement to vote on. And uh, that's where we're at. Some Democrats, by the way, are just so annoyed at this. They think Biden should pull the trigger on what's called the 14th Amendment. The 14th Amendment to the Constitution has a phrase that says that the validity of the debt of the U.S. shall not be questioned. It has never been tested in a debt ceiling situation, but some Democrats believe that that phrase, the validity of the debt shall not be questioned, gives the president unilateral authority to raise the debt ceiling, saying, we don't need to use Congress, just do it yourself. Biden not ready to pull that trigger yet because it's been untested and he's not sure it's constitutional.
Meanwhile, there's some new polling out that shows what Americans are feeling when it comes to the debt ceiling. And the results are a little bit conflicting. One thing is clear, though. Risking default is highly unpopular. In a CNN poll, just 15 percent of adults said that they think the U.S. should default on its debts and not raise the debt ceiling. A poll from the APNORC found that 16% say the U.S. should not increase the national debt limit under any circumstances. Another takeaway, most Americans do want some type of cuts to federal spending as long as it means that we're not going to default on our debt. All right. So my reading of those polls, Jill, is that one in six Americans should definitely not be in charge of the government or the (laughs) treasury. (laughs) One in six, one in six of you listening to this podcast right now think we should default on our debt. No thanks. Uh, but I guess the good news is, if you reverse those numbers, eighty-five percent of Americans don't believe that we should be defaulting on our debt. Jill, for the most part, it appears that when you look at most polling, Americans do feel that uh, they are concerned about the amount of debt the government is in. Sixty uh, percent of Americans think the government spends too much, though the majority again don't believe that we should be defaulting on debt. Another big takeaway from these polls, by the way, Jill, and these are probably not the Mo News community people who listen to this podcast, uh, half of Americans are not even paying attention to the current debate. (laughs) But that's also understandable because Congress does this all the time. And you're kind of like, they're going to figure it out. They just like to wait till the last second on this stuff. One interesting thing, Jill, will be how this narrative gets spun after the fact. And that's a concern here among some Democrats is that Kevin McCarthy has been very vocal. You know, he's going to cameras several times a day. Biden, not so much. And this is where the president's age and just their lack of commitment at the White House to have him communicate daily with reporters or his inability to communicate daily with reporters uh, is concerning Democrats that no matter what happens here, that Republicans will be able to spin a better narrative out of this uh, than Democrats will be. Especially concerning in an election cycle. All right, moving on now onto a real mystery. A 30 ton shipment of explosive chemicals has gone missing. It was last seen last month on a railroad car headed to California from Cheyenne, Wyoming. The train departed on April 12th from a plant that was operated by an explosives manufacturer. Two weeks later, the train car was found empty at a rail stop in the California Mojave Desert. That train was loaded with 60,000 pounds of ammonium nitrate, according to an incident report filed by the company Dino Noble. The chemical was released, quote, due to an unknown cause. (laughs) Always reassuring to hear the unknown cause press release. I feel so much better now. A representative for that company, again, Dino Nobel, says that they believe the chemical leaked through the rail car while in transit. They tell USA Today that the rail car was sealed when it left the Cheyenne facility and that a leak through the bottom gate on the rail car may have developed while headed to California, releasing pellets of the ammonium nitrate onto the tracks over the two-week trip. The route, though, covers more than a 1,000 miles. It goes through long stretches of remote territory, so sources say it could be somewhat challenging to pinpoint the missing cargo or how it may have been released. Uh, You might be thinking, what exactly is ammonium nitrate? It is a chemical that can be used as fertilizer or an explosive under certain conditions. That's because if it's mixed with something flammable and exposed to flame, it can explode. And it's been this key ingredient in both terror attacks and also deadly accidents. However, a law enforcement source tells NBC News that uh, the recent disappearance of the chemical does not appear to be connected to any sort of domestic terrorism threat. 
Yeah, a spokesperson for Union Pacific uh, told NBC that the rail company transporting the chemical said that uh, the disappearance of the chemical should not threaten the public. This is a fertilizer that's designed for ground application and quick soil absorption. But the reason for the alarm here is, uh, is of course, ammonium nitrate has been uh, the cause, has been very lethal in the past, used as an explosive. Timothy McVeigh uh, infamously used two tons of ammonium nitrate mixed with fuel oil to destroy the federal building in Oklahoma City back in 95 that killed 168 people. That's two tons of ammonium nitrate. Uh, This is 60 tons that has gone missing here. Uh, In 2013, ammonium nitrate was the cause of that huge explosion in West Texas that killed 15 people. Jill, I don't know if you remember covering this. Uh, It injured 200, wiped out hundreds of houses. It's about 10 years ago now, that huge explosion in West Texas. And most recently in 2020, some of you might remember this, that massive explosion in Beirut, Lebanon was caused by 2,700 tons of ammonium nitrate that detonated, that killed 200 people, injured thousands, uh, destroyed a pretty uh, big section there in central Beirut. Now, again, the chemical is relatively harmless uh, on its own, including if it leaked out over these train tracks, but it can explode again if it is added to a fuel source and then subjected to heat. In this case, again, as you go into this weekend, investigators don't believe there's anything malicious going on, but still caught our attention and has caught the attention of many of you that 60 tons of ammonium nitrate just went poof on the rail line between Wyoming and California. Okay, we have plenty of more news to get to, including today's speed read and on this day. But we want to begin with a couple exclusive offers for the Mo News community, for all of you listening. We want to start right now with our partner, Bolin Branch Sheets. They're a brand that helps you get an amazing night's sleep. They have a great sale right now for the Mo News community, specifically for Memorial Day, which I'll tell you about in a second. Uh, first, Bolin Branch Sheets are made with 100% traceable organic cotton. They get softer with every wash. Jill, we were just talking before the pod. You need some more sheets. I do, Mosh, and I happen to love our Bolin Branch sheets. And like they say, they really do get softer with every wash. So the longer that we have them, the more we like them. Jill, you're not alone. Millions of people have bought the sheets, including apparently four American presidents have used Bolin Branch sheets as well. So let's get to the deal here. You can get 20% off your first order this Memorial Day weekend when you use the promo code, what else? Mo News, M-O-N-E-W-S, over at bullandbranch.com. That is Bull and Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com, promo code Mo News. Starting this Thursday, you can get a free striped beach towel uh, ready for Memorial Day weekend and the rest of your summer with your purchase for a limited time only. That begins on Thursday. And that's, of course, while supplies last, exclusions do apply. See site for details. Now to our good friends at Athletic Greens uh, and their AG1 supplement. If you're not taking it already, uh, Jill and I have both been using it since the fall. The Athletic Greens AG1 powder is just one scoop with a glass of water in the morning. Uh, It allows you to get 75, more than 75 important ingredients, vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics for your gut health. It allows you really easily, really quickly to get on with your day knowing that you've gotten all of that. Right now, Athletic Greens is offering a special deal for the Mo News community. Mo News listeners get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs of the AG1 supplement. This all comes with your first purchase. You can visit athleticgreens.com slash monews to take advantage of the offer. You can get a discounted monthly subscription. You can try it one time for just a month. Again, it's athleticgreens.com slash monews. 
Uh, the code, again, M-O-N-E-W-S for this special deal. It'll allow you to, again, get all your vitamins that you need and start to take ownership of your health. Okay, time now for the speed read from the New York Times. The Supreme Court on Thursday curtailed the EPA's authority to police millions of acres of wetlands, delivering another setback to the agency's ability to combat pollution. Writing for five justices, Justice Samuel Alito said that the Clean Water Act does not give the EPA the power to regulate chemical discharges into wetlands near major bodies of water unless they have a, quote, continuous surface connection to those waters. The decision was a second major blow to the EPA's authority and to the power of administrative agencies generally. Last year, the court limited the EPA's power to address climate change under the Clean Air Act. Experts in environmental law say the decision undercuts the EPA's authority to protect wetlands under the Clean Water Act, letting companies pollute in certain wetlands without penalty. Yeah, one former EPA lawyer who worked at the agency from Clinton through Trump was quoted as saying that this now affects more than half the nation's wetlands uh, based on that interpretation by Alito and the five justice majority that the major bodies of water have to be connected, have to have service connection uh, to wetlands for EPA to have jurisdiction there. Now, the reason this case got to the Supreme Court is this is based on uh, a dispute between a family that's trying to build a home near a wetland, and uh, they were coming into contention with the EPA, and they were arguing the EPA ha- has no authority to regulate here. Now, all nine justices on the court actually agreed that the homeowners who brought the case should not have been subject to EPA authority. The issue here is, is there was sharp disagreement among the justices about this new test that was established as to why that the EPA doesn't have authority. And you had the five-member majority there that believes that the EPA just doesn't have that much power. And then you had the four in the minority, the three liberals plus Justice Kavanaugh uh, said that this harms the federal government's ability to address pollution and flooding here. Though this does come, Jill, you mentioned the other EPA case from last year, as the Supreme Court, the majority of conservatives, at least on the court, with Kavanaugh now with the liberals, at least on this case, saying that they're being very specific when it comes to EPA authority, saying, I don't read in EPA bylaws, I don't read a law from Congress that gives the EPA authority. They're being very literalist here. And so they're saying, you know, if you think EPA should have that authority, Congress, write it into the law. Whereas in previous decades, the EPA and government agencies were given more leeway, so to speak, when it came to regulation. Heading overseas from the BBC, a man's been arrested after crashing a car into the gates outside of Downing Street. The Metropolitan Police said he'd been held by armed officers on suspicion of criminal damage and dangerous driving. One witness said he saw officers pointing tasers at a suspect who was held face to the floor as he was arrested. There are no reports of injuries. The investigation is ongoing. Jill, this comes just a day after we told you about that man earlier this week who tried to do the same thing near the White House in Washington, crashing a car into the gates. Not completely uncommon. We usually see these things a couple times a year. Odd coincidence, though, to have a couple of these in a matter of days. But again, no connection between the incidents. Jill, there were a lot of photos and videos online uh, in the aftermath of the crash showing police pointing tasers at the man. Footage of the car, it was a silver Kia, shows it slowing down as it approached the main entrance of Downing Street. A 10 Downing Street, famously, is the home and office of the British Prime Minister, Rishi Sunak, who happened to be there at the time of the crash. But again, there were no injuries. 
from NBC News. The founder of the far-right Oath Keepers has been sentenced to 18 years in federal prison in connection with the January 6th attack on the Capitol. Following his conviction on seditious conspiracy, the sentence for Stuart Rhodes is the longest imposed on a January 6th defendant to date. In a politically charged speech in the courtroom just before his sentencing, he called himself a political prisoner and said he hopes that Donald Trump wins in 2024. Trump has said that he will pardon many of the January 6th convicts. The judge disagreed that Rhodes had been locked up for political reasons, saying it was his actions that led to his criminal convictions. That judge, Amit Mehta, saying, quote, you, sir, present an ongoing threat and a peril to this country and to the republic and to the very fabric of democracy. So Rhodes was convicted of seditious conspiracy back in November, along with another member of that Oath Keepers militia group. Uh, Rhodes had written a message ahead of January 6th saying, they won't fear us until we come with rifles in hand. After the attack, in a recording that was played in the court during the trial, he said his only regret was they should have come to January 6th with rifles. In other January 6th news, a federal judge this week in a separate case convicted a guy named Richard Bigo Barnett. Uh, you might know him as the Capitol rioter who was photographed with his feet on Nancy Pelosi's desk. He had also left her a note with an obscenity that day. He was convicted and sentenced to four and a half years in prison this week. He is one of those 350 rioters now in just the past two years who've been convicted for their role in the riot. That image of Barnett in Pelosi's office has become one of the most well-known images from that day. And for a time, he actually sold autographed copies. He would sign copies of the photo and uh, charge supporters for them. Barnett's lawyers, though, argued that he shouldn't have gotten more than six months in prison. They said, listen, he's a 63-year-old retired firefighter, bull rider from rural Arkansas, who came to D.C. for the very first time to peacefully protest, but was unfortunately, in their words, caught up in the events that turned an ordinary Wednesday into what will be known as January 6th. Prosecutors disagreed, saying Burnett knew what he was there for. He had prepared for violence in advance with a stun device, a 10-pound steel pole, both capable of inflicting serious injury. He only left the Capitol after he was hit by chemical spray and then bragged about the actions to supporters. Uh, Jill, the judge in court, said, listen, Burnett, you're 63 years old. You were way too old for this nonsense. I don't buy the argument that you were just caught up in the in the festivities, in the actions of that day. From USA Today, the federal government predicts a near normal 2023 hurricane season for the Atlantic Basin. So what is normal? They're thinking five to nine hurricanes could form. Overall, NOAA forecasts about 12 to 17 named tropical storms will develop in the region. That includes the Atlantic, the Caribbean Sea, and the Gulf of Mexico. The season officially begins next Thursday, June 1st, the same day that we could potentially default on our debt, and it runs through <laughs> November 30th. Oh, June 1st. Uh, but typically, if you've been, you know, you watch the tropics uh, this time of year, it's, you know, that latter end, August through October, that we tend to be more concerned about. Uh, though once in a while, there is an early storm. So this upcoming Atlantic hurricane season is expected to be less active than recent years because of a variety of factors here. After three hurricane seasons with La Nina present, that's the larger climate condition that comes out of the Pacific, NOAA scientists predict a high potential for El Nino this year. And El Nino, while it has a negative impact on certain things, uh, tends to suppress hurricanes coming out of the Atlantic. So typically, El Nino years are good things if you live in the southeast and you want less hurricanes. However, 
the warmer waters right now in the Gulf and in the ocean due to climate change effectively offset that El Nino advantage. And that's one of the reasons that they're trying to monitor these two things happening at the same time. So, uh, Jill, you noted that there could be up to 17 named storms, so that includes tropical storms. Of those, five to nine could be hurricanes. And then kind of zooming in here further, one to four of those hurricanes, they say could be major hurricanes, which is category three, four, or five. Just if we're looking at their scorecard last year, their forecast last year was an above normal season of 14 to 21 named storms. And they and we ended up on the lower end of that, 14 named storms last year. But of course, we did see hurricanes Ian, Nicole, and Fiona, which did a lot of damage to certain parts of the country. So, Jill, this is the NOAA forecast, the NOAA out of the government. There's another forecast out of Colorado State. They also predict hurricane seasons, and they're pretty much in line right now for eight-ish hurricanes. Again, it's a prediction. There's a lot of things happening between El Nino and warmer water, so it does bear watching. And unfortunately, even if there was one major hurricane that hit a you know major U.S. state or country in Central America, you know those things tend to be deadly or cause a lot of damage. So let's uh, keep our fingers crossed this year for as few as possible. From Axios, with this upcoming Memorial Day weekend projected to be the third busiest ever on record, travelers may want to consider the best and worst times to drive or fly. Experts say with lower fuel prices and more travelers on the road compared to last year, drivers should expect long delays this holiday weekend. According to AAA, air travel also expected to exceed pre-pandemic levels. Airports will be packed with about 17 million passengers expected to fly out of U.S. airports from Thursday to Monday. Road trips are up 6% from last year. So if you haven't left, good news. AAA thinks the lightest traffic days will be Saturday and Sunday. Aside from those days, AAA says the best times to travel by car are before 1 p.m. Thursday, so that already happened, uh, and before noon today. Get moving. Give a few more hours. If you're listening <laughs> to us early, get moving. Uh, Jill, uh, Allison will be traveling tomorrow early morning, so feeling good about flying on the Saturday of Memorial Day weekend. I usually try to time that out. Uh, as far as your return home, this is something you can plan for. Right now, AAA says the best times to come back are either before 10 a.m. on Monday or Tuesday before 2 p.m. or after 6 p.m. if you have Tuesday off of work. So as far as busiest times, uh, several of those times happened yesterday. So congrats if you didn't have to travel yesterday. And then today, starting again after noon, it should get pretty busy. Uh, Monday afternoon will be pretty bad, as will the Tuesday rush hour. Uh, major metro areas like Boston, New York, Seattle, Tampa will likely see travel times double compared to normal. So download some podcasts. We have a bunch of interviews uh, for you over here at Mo News. Join Mo News Premium. I got extra episodes over there too. You know, let let us ride along with you as you get stuck in traffic. Hopefully, again, hopefully your traffic isn't too bad. But we have ways to keep you entertained uh, this weekend. Jill, what's the furthest you're driving this weekend? Maybe to the deli to pick up a sandwich <laughs> or the liquor store to get good, wine. Good thinking. <laughs> good thinking. Good planning. Good planning. I just had an idea, Mosh. I think that in addition to our podcasts, we should put together a Mo News playlist with some mm. of the songs that we do for On This Day. I think that's a great idea. Last year, actually, for my 40th birthday, uh, my wife, uh, it's actually, I think, still available on Spotify, the Mosh 40th birthday playlist. Uh, so she put together a playlist of the best of 80s, 90s, 60s, 70s, and today. But I think we should 
the Mo News Spotify playlist is something we'll get working on. Jill, we have two interns joining us this summer, so I feel like that's a good project <laughs> to start them on. Actually, Mosh, I want that assignment. <laughs> Jill, how about this? You oversee it and they'll build it. Um, but like, it'll be inf- heavily influenced by your musical okay. taste. Actually, this is the the, the Jill uh, Mo News playlist, the Mo, Mo News playlist, and then the you know Gen Z intern playlist. They will be different. <laughs> uh, definitely, they'll be like, "What? Yeah, <laughs> what are you guys talking about? My parents like that song." Moving on here to On This Day in History, as we begin here, this is our part of the podcast where we like to talk nostalgia, talk history, and we're so thankful this week that Magic Spoon Cereal has joined us as a sponsor for On This Day. One of the things many of us look back fondly on is the cereals we ate growing up from back in the day, and Magic Spoon has replicated some of those flavors in a more wholesome way. Magic Spoon right now has a special deal going on for the Mo News community. You can head over to magicspoon.com slash Mo News to grab a variety pack today. Promo code Mo News. It'll save you $5 off your order. I'll have more on that in just a second, but let's get started here on On This Day. And Jill, I should say at the outset here, this is more On This Weekend in History because we had a couple days to play with here. So On This Weekend in History in 1896, the Dow Jones Industrial Average was first published. So when people refer to the Dow, it's actually an average of several companies. Right now, it's 30 major companies. When it was first established in 1896, it was 12 companies, including one you still know today, General Electric. GE was actually part of those original 12 companies and then stayed as part of the industrial average for 120 years until it was removed in 2018. They tend to refresh the Dow Jones Industrial Average with companies they feel better represent uh, larger companies and those that represent the larger market. So GE made it until 2018. Now it's comprised by 30 other major companies, companies you'd be very familiar with. But a happy birthday today to the Dow Jones Industrial Average. All right, fast forward a little bit to 1937, this weekend when Volkswagen was founded by the Nazi party in Germany, originally operated by the German Labor Front, that was a Nazi organization under Hitler. Uh, It was part of his ambitious campaign to build a network of highways, the Autobahns, across Germany. And then his pet project was the development and mass production of an affordable yet speedy vehicle. So the Nazi party founds a Volkswagen, and then Hitler's big project is, I want you to be able to build a car that costs $140 for people to drive in. The knock was that cars were too expensive. That car, by the way, Jill, is what would become the Volkswagen Beetle. That was the car that was designed as part of the uh, Hitler priority there. So post-World War II, Volkswagen sales continued to be very slow in the U.S. because of that connection. And then comes a major ad campaign starting the late 50s, early 60s, dubbing the car the Beetle, uh, spinning its small size as a distinct advantage for consumers. Over the 1960s, Volkswagen would become the top-selling auto import in the U.S., a symbol of the counterculture and hippies. But a fascinating history there over a couple decades, going from the car that was designed and built for Hitler's ambitions, and then suddenly 20 years later, it's a symbol for the hippies. I will never look at a beetle the same way. Jill, I love corporate history. Always fascinating stories. This is one of the more fascinating ones out there. There's a podcast out there um, called Business Wars that I think is really interesting. If you're interested in business history, they tend to look back at like 
Hershey versus Nestle. Oh, right. Uh, you Nintendo you love this for a while. I'm obsessed. Yes. I'm obsessed. Yeah, like McDonald's versus Burger King. Um, you know, all the various com- competitions, Ford versus Chevy, etc. And they go into the history of this. Pizza Hut versus Domino's. Anyway, I've listened to a ton of them, clearly. Uh, but if you're interested in that, go check out the Business Wars podcast. I think it's a Wondery podcast. But uh, was very interested when I saw the Volkswagen thing because I remember reading something about it and I dug in and a really interesting history. All right, Jill, your husband's favorite moment in the uh, pod. Happy uh, birthday. I will be- <laughs> Happy birthday to you. So listen, I don't often do celeb birthdays anymore, but I just was uh, struck by the fact that today, three major musical birthdays, Lauren Hill is 48, Lenny Kravitz is 59, and this is also the day that Miles Davis was born, my fellow Geminis. I have less musical talent than them, but uh, this is a big day for musical birthdays. Totally. All right, we end here with a little bit of music turning 40 years old this weekend. Jill, that's the song we attempted to sing at the top of the podcast. On this weekend in 1983, 40 years ago, What a Feeling from Flashdance by Irene Cara reached number one on the Billboard charts. It would be in the top 10 for 14 weeks that year, the longest running top 10 single of 1983. What a feeling. Do, 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 do. I, I need to learn the words. Jill, I'm told by my mother that as a one-year-old, I was uh, bopping up and down <laughs> in my crib to this song. So <laughs> been a fan for a while now. Uh, sadly, uh, the singer of that song, Irene Cara, died in November. And finally, we're going to throw it back to Creedence Clearwater Revival and their debut album that came out this weekend in 1968, 55 years ago today. Jill, it included this hit, Susie Q. Oh, Jill, I figure I got to do a shout out once in a while to music made before 1990. So there you have it. (laughs) My father-in-law will appreciate it. He loves that kind of music. All right, it is Friday. Cheers to the freaking weekend. Time for a look at what we are watching, reading, and eating this weekend. Mosh, what are you watching? Jill, I see that there's a special from Norm MacDonald on Netflix that's coming out. Uh, the late comedian, of course, uh, sadly died a couple of years ago from leukemia, but he had self-taped a special by himself uh, in his living room the summer of 2020 while undergoing cancer treatment. Netflix has put it together and they're putting it out as his posthumous final stand-up special this weekend. Norm, of course, you might remember him back in the day from Saturday Night Live, uh, was always a fan, so I'm looking forward to watching that. Jill, what are you watching? I'm actually going to be watching something in the real world. It's uh, the air show at Jones Beach. It's uh, Saturday and Sunday, and I'm going to try to make it. It's supposedly awesome. Somehow I've managed to live on Long Island for most of my 40-something years and never gone. Joe, that's going to require commute and traffic uh, this weekend. So make sure to double-check those AAA times you just read. Which also means my husband will probably put the kibosh on (laughs) on this plan. Jill, you said on the podcast, we're not going further than the liquor store. That was my initial plan, actually. Mosh, what are you reading this weekend? So, Jill, I've been reading How to Human by Carlos Whitaker. That's a book uh, by Carlos. You might know him from Instagram, where he has a pretty significant following. I had the uh, good fortune of interviewing him about the book this week. You know, he talks about reconnecting with other humans. Uh, We just see the other these days. We're so divisive. And it's a great book about 
how you can reconnect with people and how you can really make a difference. So we'll be putting that out actually in my conversation with him about the book and generally speaking, positivity in life over on the premium podcast next week. So make sure to join Mo News Premium to get that. Jill, what are you reading? Okay, so I'm reading this article in the New York Times. It's called The Strategic Fashioning of Casey DeSantis. That is the wife of Ron DeSantis. Um, And the subtitle here is with an eye to the Kennedys and the Trumps. Sometimes a wardrobe is a strategy. And it's really fascinating because we're going to be seeing a lot more of Ron DeSantis on the national stage now that he has officially announced his presidency. And his wife has definitely come to play, Mosh. I mean, her her wardrobe is spectacular. And uh, according to this article, at least what I've read of it, it's all very strategic. She is a former news anchor uh, from Jacksonville, which is how she and Ron actually met each other. All of her outfits kind of harken back to either Jackie Kennedy um, or, or just make you feel a certain way. She definitely dresses the part. Yeah, they would be one of the youngest couples in the White House in a very long time. Casey DeSantis is only 42 years old. She turns 43 next month. And uh, Ron is 44 going on 45 this year. So definitely a generational statement. Uh, he's he's not 44 going on 43. That's how it works. He's, <laughs> oh, he's getting older. Uh, Got my, it. <laughs> my understanding is that she's going to get older to 43 and he's going to get older to 45, despite some people on this podcast hoping that the 40s go in reverse <laughs> as opposed to the other podcast, as opposed to the other decades. Oh. All right, Jill, finally, what are you eating this weekend? Mosh, it has been a long week. I'm going to be drinking. I don't know what, but but booze. Oh, liquid, liquid yeah. meal. I, maybe okay. some Moscow mules. Jill, sounds like a plan. We're headed on vacation uh, this weekend for a few days. So I won't be seeing you on the podcast next week, everybody. But I will be engaging in a few pina coladas in the next few days, Jill. All right. Well, well-deserved. I, I hope that you and Alex have an amazing baby moon um, enjoy every second of it. We are going to actually be dark. The podcast is going to be dark next week. Uh, again, we will have some of those special episodes. If there is any crazy breaking news, yours truly will bring it to you. Uh, unlike Moshe who's on vacation, I'm having a colonoscopy. So that is where I'm going to be for a couple days next week out of commission. Listen, it's it's very important, uh, younger and younger. It's something I'm going to be doing later this year as well, especially if you have family history. You know, sometimes the insurance says, oh, you don't need it till 45 or 50. Folks, go get your colonoscopies uh, early uh, because it turns out that the rates keep going higher. So uh, I don't envy you, Jill. It is the opposite of what I'll be doing <laughs> next week, but I wish you luck. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Guys, I only tell you this because I believe in honesty on this podcast. Uh, Transparency, honesty, yes. very important. All right. I want to thank our sponsor this week, Magic Spoon Cereal, which is sponsoring On This Day in History. Their peanut butter, frosty, cocoa, Fruity, speaking of sugar, sugar, are all <laughs> the hit. It allows you to have a bit of nostalgia in a low-carb way. The great thing right now, Magic Spoon, is gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, and sugar-free. They're so confident in their product, they have a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it, they'll refund you. No questions asked. Remember, you can get your next big bowl of high-protein cereal over at magicspoon.com slash monews. Again, magicspoon.com 
slash Mo News. Use the code Mo News to get $5 off. All right. A big thank you for listening to the Mo News podcast. Follow us and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Review us in the App Store so we can continue to grow. And don't forget to follow on Instagram, of course, for the latest and greatest at Mosh at M-O-S-H-E-H. And our newsletter, a couple weeks old as a daily now, Jill. We keep seeing growth there. You can join, sign up for the Mo Newsletter. It's a part of your daily Mo News diet. If you can't listen to the podcast, get the newsletter in your inbox. It's usually in your inbox by about 445 in the morning. Over at mo.news, you can sign up today. And the newsletter will not be dark next week. Tuesday through Friday, we will be uh, publishing. So check it out. All right, bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Mo News Podcast.